0: The best movie about Groundhog Day probably is Groundhog Day, but before we jump to that conclusion, there's lots of other movies out there that could have reasonably taken place on Groundhog Day, so who are we to judge? For all we know, Airplane is the best Groundhog Day movie. I don't know why Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is flying a plane in February, but I don't know why he's flying a plane at all. Ammers, Last week's carnage in the provincial Scotties led us to this past weekend, which had yet a couple more upsets. So not only will we not have Rachel Homan, or Val Sweeting, or the defending champion out of Nova Scotia. Uh, we're also not going to have uh, Stephanie Lawton out of Saskatchewan, uh, top-ranked team out of there. Instead, uh, we're going to have Jolene Campbell, which was the fifth-ranked Sasky team. We're also not going to have Heather Strong out of Newfoundland, who won the Hot Shots competition, sort of the, the individual skills competition. Uh, in fairness, her team kind of had uh, sort of, it was fragmented, and I don't think they were favored to win, but that's just another face that's not going to be there. Um, we did get repeat champions out of Northwest Territories and New Brunswick. Uh, They're not really contenders anyways, but basically, after all is said and done, the field is set for the Scotties, and we're going to have four skips out of 14 teams uh, back in Ottawa. So, a lot of new faces, but man, it is not a good year to be a favorite. I want to get to U.S. Nationals in a second, but uh, first I want to... Uh, mention uh, the, the cover story of this month's edition of The Curling News, and I've, I've got it right in front of me that here is the sound of a newspaper. And um, basically, it is uh, all about the sweeping technique that has pretty much changed the way the sport has been played and also watched uh, radically this year. And uh, basically, um, the... The uh, man named uh, Jerry Butler, who's a recreational curler in Ontario, uh, tested out the new sweeping methods that the uh, elite teams have been doing. Uh, notably, Brad Gushu to start the year, where not so much the the new brooms. I know that's been kind of a hot button in it. Um, you know, it's gone all the way to the world curling federation having to make a decision, and then you know, New York Times, Stephen Colbert. It's 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 really been I think the red herring of of this whole discussion it really is um, appears to be the direction at which you sweep the the fabric is is another component, but it really is directional. Um, what the specific type of motion is is called snowplow sweeping, which is basically when you're moving the brush uh, up and down parallel to the direction of the rock that's usually been a a no-no, but they've, they've since lifted that and they've allowed you to uh, snowplow sweep. And uh, so this guy basically did it in a rec- recreational game and he said it had a profound impact depending on the way you swept. It would either uh, have a very strong effect on keeping the rock straight and even falling back or do it a different way and the rock curls more, which is just it's the antithesis of how we've all learned how to sweep. It's when we've gone, you know, side to side, go perpendicular to the uh, trajectory of the stone, we, we're we doing different things to the stone. And so I guess that really does, I'm not going to, I wish I could answer it here in the uh, few minutes I have, but, you know, it's it. it really is a crossroads in the, in the sport where do we want sweeping to have its maximum effect and make more shots and also appear to be I guess less energy exerted for the team or do we want to go back and see both players sweep side to side put the maximum effort in and go back to the way it was where if you threw wide there's nothing you can do I don't know. I'm I'm kind of torn both ways. I I like seeing shots made, but you know, watching watching these these great teams just people yelling their lungs out, and one guy is just walking down the stone doing nothing. Man, I I'm torn. Now for my specific rec games, I haven't seen this done. I haven't tried it myself, uh, mostly because I play an arena ice, and we just kind of feel that um, based on our our terrible ice we think we, we sweep um, to accentuate uh, falls so with with the ridges we have and we mostly do it for weight however um you know once i get onto good ice i i would be willing to try it but they, then again i go to a bond spiel and you don't want to miss a shot by doing something weird but you know this is kind of what i've always thought about this whole controversy is let's get some data out there let's have let's have people throw consistent stones And let's try different sweeping techniques and see what it actually does. Put it out there. And, you know, um, Jerry Butler's got anecdotal evidence here that the snowplow sweeping really does have the most maximum effect. And, you know, I'm I'm inclined to believe that because that's kind of what I thought all along. And, in fact, he mentions a quote that uh, Brad Gushu uh, gave the um, St. John's Telegram. Uh, Quote, if you sweep on one side, you can keep it straight. Sweep on the other side, and you get to curl more. If you have both people going at the same time, you kind of cancel that out. That's the theory behind it. And again, it's it's amazing. That's how we've played the entire time. But all sports go through um, not just organic changes or or, uh, rule changes, but also uh, changes through discovery. And we see that a lot in baseball with With defensive shifts and we realized that uh, um, batting average on balls in play is kind of a... It's a constant that you can't control. Therefore, knowing that you can't do much about the average once you hit a ball and put it in play, then you have to adapt. And I suppose we also have to get acclimated with what's going on with the U.S. National Championships which is that the winner of nationals does not automatically become the world team but rather they have to accumulate enough points uh, throughout the season and the nationals just happen to be sort of the, the biggest point value however we're really at a point where the contenders for both sides it it's you know it's it's down to just a couple and, and in fact I'm not sh- sh- uh, for sure but it really seems like John Schuster is going to be the world team. They're they're just ahead by that many points that uh, Craig Brown, which is in second uh, place right now, would really need to win, and then John Schuster would have to have a really terrible week. Um, On the other side, it seems even more certain that Erica Brown, uh, the non-high-performance team, uh, sort of getting the band back together with uh, Allison Pottinger, Nicole Jorenstad, and Natalie Nicholson, uh, they're going to be the favorite over the other three high-performance teams. And given that it's been such a runaway and going to Nationals does not give you an automatic chance to go to Worlds, we've got a really thin field on the women's side, and it's really sad to see. Um, a lot of the uh, buzz has been that uh, you know Courtney George's team has decided to... Uh, bow out, because there's no point in them going if they weren't going to be able to go to the Worlds. Um, and Debbie McCormick's not there, Patty Lang's not there, Alex Carlson, just a lot of a lot of famous, uh, notable names are missing. So instead of a field of 10, we had a field of 7, and it really feels like the the, the four that are going to make the playoffs are, there's Erica Brown, and then you got Jamie Sinclair, Nina Roth, and then Corey Christensen, the, the junior team. And then you have uh, three other contenders. If any of them make the playoffs, it'll be a, it'll be a really good story for them. But ultimately, it's it's going to be futile in terms of uh, making the Worlds. On the men's side, again, I mentioned Schuster and, and Craig Brown. And you know Pete Fenson might have a good week. And Heath McCormick ended up making it. So you never know about those teams or, or, or Brady Clark. Uh, so I think there's a little bit more... Uh, uncertainty in terms of the middle of the pack, but um, you know it's nationals. It, it's it's something I like watching. The production value uh, for an internet broadcast is pretty good. T S T E S N will broadcast it online, and so that that again that starts uh, February sixth at four thirty p.m. Eastern. And again, yes, this event is in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, that's a whole nother thing. I hope it goes well, but obviously my main concern is going to be quality of the ice down there in Florida. You know, it's it's not going to be warm, it's going to be humid, and those kind of weather factors can sometimes make the ice poor, which will level the playing field, which might end up in some, some odd results. But I'm nonetheless looking forward to it, it's still kind of an annual tradition that... Uh, I think we all down here like paying attention to not unlike the annual tradition of complaining that the Yankees got everyone every off season. And MLB trade rumors had a chart uh, uh, with the uh, breakdown per team of how much guaranteed money they've given out to free agents this year. And the only team Yet to sign someone to a major league deal is the New York Yankees. Every other team ponied up money for at least one player. Uh, The Cubs spent the most, followed by the Tigers and Giants, all at uh, north of $250 million total. But here we are, finally caught up to them. They spent as much on free agents as you and me combined in year are total times my total, and your total to my total's power, it's all equal. Now, obviously, they didn't just stand pat. You know, they traded for Aroldis Chapman. They traded for Starling Castro. They made some moves, but they pretty much ran out of budget to get those $20 million players. You know, they're stuck with A-Rod and Sabathia, uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, Brian McCann, Carlos Beltran, I believe, still exists in some human form. But man, really, even though they've got the top payroll, we're talking about how screwed they are that Greg Bird is out for the season. And I had to look up to see what position Greg Bird played, and it just confirmed my suspicion. He plays Bird base. So that pretty much means that Art Teixeira and Alex Rodriguez will, I guess, maybe split the time at first base, which I'm extremely excited for a $42 million platoon at first base. But my only concern is that we could possibly make it a little more expensive. Um, For example, just have them uh, show all the at-bats during Super Bowl uh, commercial time. Um, You could take the at-bats and basically just build the stadium into outer space. That should be expensive enough. Um, Just a little more to put it over the top. Let's contract all of the concession stands to Trader Joe's. And, I don't know, um, new hats? New hats are a little bit of money. Next week on Homers and Hammers. We'll probably do another episode